You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes Dead Air Nipe here with always... Typical Lydia. Today we're going to be talking about The Host. This is a special episode because it's the first time that this is a film that has been requested to us to talk about. It was uh, given to us by someone on Twitter named Altica. I almost guarantee that's not their real name. How do you know? Because we do not live in Middle Earth. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) But in any case, um, if anybody ever wants us to talk about a specific horror film, we will do that. Sometimes it'll take us a little bit to get to it, um, because we do record some of these episodes in advance. But if you contact us on Twitter, I'm at deadair0001. What is your your Twitter? Typical Lydia. Typical Lydia. At Typical Lydia. It makes sense. Um... Yeah, you can throw us a request uh, along with any questions. We did get a question about um, horror also that we could talk about briefly, or as long as it takes, I guess, whatever. Um, That was what drew us to horror in the first place. And you actually had something to say to that. I, I am reeling, struggling mightily to even come up with anything because I don't know. I've been struggling mightily with it too, but I've been posed this question a lot and I've had to answer this question a lot. And it always just goes back to my upbringing. I was, I was brought up in a household with a lot of antique furniture and weird cutouts that would be similar to the mannequins that you find in attics and horror films. And we had um, sprawling farmland that is extra creepy at night there was a river in the back that had mist on it we tended a graveyard from the time i can remember we tended tended a it it was an illegal graveyard actually and it belonged to a family that we knew that had buried all of their um, ancestors there so there was a lot of like macabre creepy untoward and dark things around me as a kid that was all just normal to us that would make me think that if I were surrounded constantly by dark and the macabre and the creepy, I would not like like that would make me not want to watch horror films because I'm getting that in my everyday life. But well, that becomes your everyday. It's a why do people watch sitcoms because that's supposedly some sort of mirror of your everyday. It's why people watch soap operas. It might be a little more overdramatic than your normal life, but there is that soap opera drama happening in people's lives so people are, are tend to be to gravitate towards that um i don't live in a soap opera drama type life so soap operas are unreal to me but do you and, find it interesting that when soap opera drama happens in real life people just say oh my god it's like a fucking soap opera around here <laughs> there's like real life they're comparing to something fake that is supposed to be a dramatization of real life. Think about that. It's fucked up. It's, mm-hmm. it, they're, not, they're not like, oh my God, soap operas are like a really exaggerated take on real life. No, no. They're like, oh my God, my life is like this soap opera. 
Yeah, but we never walked into my grandmother's house and went, oh, my God, it's like a horror movie all up in here. What's wrong with you? You know, never. Because there was, you know, uh, farm equipment and farm things. So that's probably why I like hillbilly horror so much because it reminds me of home. And mm. things like uh, butchering animals on the kitchen table and stuff like that. So there's a lot of, like, really, really gross body things that go on with being on a farm you know the going back like i know we, we bring it up a lot but going back to friday the 13th it reminds me a lot of my cottage which reminds me a lot of being a kid yeah which reminds me a lot of happy times yeah maybe i can see what you're getting at yeah like and watching things like scooby-doo or being read things like the highwaymen or being uh given books that are like illustrated uh edgar Allan Poe's tales of mystery and imagination and growing up with all of that stuff and watching uh, Alfred Hitchcock and the Munsters instead of watching whatever the hell other people were watching on television. It was always these like horror, dark, macabre things that were like normal for me. Yeah. So when I just continued watching horror, that's what I know and that's what I enjoy and what I know I enjoy and I continue to do it. I don't look at it as like following the way people like follow comic books because they're a fan of it. I don't follow horror because I'm a fan of it. I follow horror because I genuinely like it and i don't really like anything else Mm -hmm. that's why you are you are focused in your interests like a laser beam (laughs) yeah like a laser (laughs) beam that's gonna cut your skull right in half (laughs) something like that's my favorite (laughs) yeah yeah cut Um, it top wise have a soup bowl laser death lasers always make me think of that movie the congo um anyways uh (laughs) You remember that flick with the with the fucking gorillas and shit? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah I do. But, uh, anyway, um, for me, I guess some of my earliest memories are the video stores that used to exist. Kids, long ago, you could go into stores and if you didn't want to buy a movie, why you could give someone a small sum of money and take a videotape. And then bring it home for two or three days, but then you had to bring it back. Uh, it was called renting videos, and it doesn't exist anymore. Sure, Grandpa. Back in my day, <laughs> we should be able to rent things and not actually buy them. Uh. Anyways, um, when I was growing up, there was a, a video store within walking distance. It was called Video Biz. And... <laughs> And it was pretty cool, but it didn't have a horror section that really blew my hair back. Ironically, the what ended up running them out of business was a jumbo video. And that had a very big horror section. And it even had a big, scary, dummy mannequin guy in the background of the horror section like you you imagine like like several like four or five full aisles of horror tapes and then in the back of that corner and it was like the, it was the back corner of the place uh there was a door and if you looked in that door it was a pitch black room and it was just this giant mongoloid it almost kind of looked like a grosser version of igor from that, uh, the hilarious house Frightenstein. Yeah, it, it was kind of like that, except he was a gray 
character and he was more blistered and whatever. And so that place always captured my imagination. And and so horror films were always that thing that you were too young to watch them. And all those covers. I mean, and if you all saw those covers. Covers and... of things like Mimic and covers of things like, like Maniac or Dead End Drive-In. Yeah, something yeah. like that. All these horror films. And then the best was was you would, you know, you look at the cover and the covers look cool and you flip on the back and they always would show you some still from some really fucked up or weird scene and give you an idea about what this movie was all about. And... You know, I was almost always afraid to ask my parents to let me rent it, but there was something about that place and the video store that just drew me to that covers. And I always liked monsters and that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, it was specifically monsters and aliens and stuff like that that I liked as a young kid. Those were the types of movies that I gravitated towards. It wasn't so much slashers or psychological horrors. It was all... I liked monsters and big special effects, you know, Night of the Demons and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and weird shit like that that had, like, a lot of special effects and a lot of bigness to them. Those were what uh, that I gravitated towards as a kid because they had, like, the most visually stimulating boxes for me where I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, what's this? And you look in the back and you'd see, like, a crazy monster. I remember Carnosaur. Remember that? No. <laughs> Carnosaur was this, it, it, the cover was a big dinosaur, and it was called Carnosaur, and I can't even really remember the plot, but I think it was a dinosaur, a Tyrannosaurus comes back to life somehow and kills people, and they kill at the end with a uh, bulldozer or something. I'm, was it Killdozer? Was it Killdozer versus Carnosaur? Because I would so watch that. I don't like monster <laughs> movies at all, and I've, I haven't seen Killdozer yet. But I would, I would. Oh my God, let's make a film. <laughs> like really, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, Killdozer versus the Carnosaur. crossover. No one asked for. <laughs> From Car- SplatterPictures.net. Carnosaur versus Killdozer. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I need a bag to breathe in. Whatever the hell that does for people, I feel like I need it now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my God. I got to stop laughing inside because I'm trying to not laugh out, outside. I'm trying to keep my laughs in my belly. <laughs> Killdozer versus Carnosaur. So I guess my point being is that there was a lot of that stimulation as a kid where I would see it. And I alternatively came from a pretty regular home. You know, brother, sister, nothing was macabre about my upbringing at all. It was a very middle-class suburban existence. So I think that I was drawn towards that stuff more because... Maybe I wasn't really supposed to watch it. And 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 I remember liking science fiction more as a kid. And I still love science fiction. Mm-hmm. It's just not what the podcast is about. Um, but I like other things. It's not just horror movies. It's other things, too. I don't like other things. I know you don't like other things. But I am kind of like a Venn diagram nerd where I love a lot of different things. Well, I like Puss in Boots. And that is not you, horror. That is, it, it might be horrible, but it's not horror. No, it's amazing. Whatever you say. There is a sense that maybe I was drawn towards it because science fiction 
blurs with horror in a lot of cases. And if I liked, if I were to start watching Aliens, or if I was watching, God, what's another? Science, dark science fiction? Yeah, what's another sci-fi horror that I, I mean, I, I'm I know, blanking. I liked Cocoon. I thought that, like, as far as science fiction, I'm not, I'm not a huge science fiction fan, but I really did enjoy things like 2001 Cocoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but essentially, aliens lead themselves to monsters, and and then uh, big slasher characters are very monstrous. So, it, you know, it all kind of blended together. And then all of a sudden, I just realized, I guess I cared a lot about horror films. Like, I guess I, I was like, you look at your your movie collection, and you're like, wow, there's a lot of a lot of horror here, just straight up horror. Um, and then I was like, fuck, I guess I just like horror films, and I didn't even really. It wasn't a conscious thing. It wasn't. It wasn't like oh, I am being a horror fan. Yeah, same here. It, it, it was just like I guess I just like this. This is I keep I, like I get I, I see something I like it, and then I want things that are like that. Mm-hmm. So I will. It's like oh, I really liked the plot here. You know, it's or or, or you like this this one um, movie monster type slasher hero person so you're like oh this film sort of has that or this series sort of has that sort of guy so yeah we'll see what they're about yeah Yeah. and and it is true that horror fans are a lot it is a lot about specificity with horror fans some people are are like i like this kind of horror and i only like this kind of horror and and i just want more of the same yeah there's that i don't know like it's it was not like a conscious effort it's just something that fucking happened so I guess that's why I was having a hard time really pinpointing because there was no because that's not how life is. You, you like, like I don't know anybody that just sort of. And now I'm this. Oh, some people do. Religion is a good example. People who wake up one day basically and be like, you know, I feel lost. I'm going to try religion and see if that saves me. And oh, yeah, it works. Oh. Or people who oh. decide they're going to drink a different kind of beer and they become like. For for now on, I'm this guy. Yeah. I'm drinking this. I drink Stella. Like the commercials, I will become a Stella drinker. You know, that's actually a good point. That is what that marketing campaign is all about. Oh, completely. It's just like, now you're this guy. I'm like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to be that D-bag? The answer to the question is, is I don't really know, but I mean, I could pinpoint things from my own life that probably led me down that path. Um, uh, parents that were encouraging of me being able to watch pretty much what I wanted as long as I understood the context in which I was watching it. Um, yeah, same here. You, you know, liking things that stimulate my imagination. A story about real life that is extraordinarily realistic, it doesn't stimulate my imagination because I don't really want to hear real stories about real people. I don't. And and that's mm-hmm. the thing that... that's That is the thing that I will say is kind of... Makes me sound like a contrarian a lot of times when things are very are critically acclaimed or or something like that because i'm just like oh, i don't care about that i don't like i don't know that uh, boring it's boring to me it's it's just because i've noticed that stories about real people and real life bore the hell out of me because i live a real life and i know real people and none of them are as interesting as pinhead so <laughs> <laughs> so or as sharp dressed i mean really yeah and, and i guess when i like when I like stories about real people, it's when they do extraordinarily unusual things. But then you're also on, and yeah, you want you're going to sound like a contrarian because when you're watching a horror film, and I'm all like, bloody blah blah, where's my daughter? God save my daughter! Da, 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 da. I'm bored. You're all like, yeah, but they have to be real. They have to, you know, they should yeah. be emoting. They should have feelings. They should be, you know, fighting for this or fighting for that. You're the one always pointing out the. 
humanity, and I'm always like, get to the action, get to the killing. Yeah, but but at the same time, see, I want I want things that don't happen in real life to happen to real people. That you I guess believe, yeah, that that I believe, and and I because I because that's what's interesting to me because that's where my imagination wants to go. I want to go into how would I. If I put myself into those characters' shoes, how would I act? Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's like, and that's a typical thing. But I guess like when characters, and that's a, that, that, my problem with horror, and, and my major complaint with any horror film is when I just don't feel as though characters seem to realize that they're in a life and death situation. When when there's a there's a a character in the corner stammering. Uh, shaking, crying, screaming. I buy that because that is a definite reaction. But when, but when things are moving around so quickly, and a character gets murked right in front of somebody else, and they're almost oh that happened. Now we're just running in another direction, and and no one even ever talks about that character ever mm-hmm. again. That bothers me. Um, and this yeah. So I guess that'll lead us into what we're going to talk about today um which is the host uh which was our request and initially what i liked about this request was that normally this is not a film i would even suggest us doing i would have but you you don't like monster films nope so it's a monster movie Uh uh-huh so I wouldn't suggest it. No, nope, I see. I see your point, totally. Because you wouldn't want to make me endure that or hear, hear me bitch and complain. You would bitch why. and complain. That's the thing. Yeah. I was like, I feel as though some films are off the table for you, but nothing's off the table for me. That's why I would have seen this and been like, hey, maybe you'd be interested. You could have kiboshed it, and you might have. Who knows? But if I'd have seen it on my own accord. Yeah, it's a 50-50 chance that I'd be interested enough to watch it because I did enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. All, and it also stands out to me because I don't like monster movies yeah. at all, but I like this. Yeah. I always liked monster movies as a kid. Again, that goes into like the whole science fiction and and monster thing. I was a big Toho fan as a little kid. Um, not They haven't all aged exactly well, but I still get kind of giddy and excited when I see them. When I'm scrolling through Netflix and I see one, I'm like, oh my God, I remember this one. But um, yeah, I I definitely could see someone's point for not liking them. It depends what you want out of horror. It depends what you want out of your narrative. It depends what you want to put your time and money towards. And, And so within that, this request, I don't think we ever would have done it. I don't think that we ever would have done it if not for the fact that it was specifically asked of us. Um. And, uh, and not only that, but uh, it, it was a film that I remember watching when it came out, and I didn't really like it. Uh, there were elements to the story that I just, I was just like, what is this? Like, why are, again, I mean, we'll get into it. But I mean, off the top, like, I liked it better. Now that you've been subjected to it. Now that I've watched it again, I'm a little older, yeah. a little wiser, a little more appreciative of a film that is, you know what it was. Mm. And I honestly feel as though this is probably what you would like about it and what I didn't like about it is I put down my money to watch a monster movie. And you got a virus show. <laughs> I got I got 
I got a monster movie. It's a monster movie. Oh, for sure. Make no it mistake. definitely is a monster. The monster movie. is present. There's a you get lots more, of monster. You, you get more monster than I'd say that you would get in the recent Godzilla film. Like you. Get, oh, and probably half monster films. Yeah, truly, you, you get lots of monster in this. Um, but there were other elements to the story that were not the monster that at the time I didn't appreciate at all. I was. Um, I was still unfamiliar with uh, Asian cinema when I was when the movie came this out. This was almost ten years ago, too. Yeah, I wasn't as familiar. I think I had seen maybe one or two. Juon, something like that. Uh, Juon was two thousand. Yeah, I would have seen Juon. And again, I uh, now Juon is one of my favorite movies. But when I saw that, the nonlinear storytelling. Like I was just like I can't follow this. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's just again, my brain had not learned to appreciate that yet. Um, and again, with the host, I feel as though I appreciate it more uh, than I did then. Maybe also the zeitgeist has changed here too. We've had many other infectious type diseases that have caused a near mass panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had, I guess, Walkerton would have happened before that. And yes. that was like the the biggest death causing infectious plague mm-hmm. to have hit North America that I that I know of. Aside from SARS, I'm not really going to count SARS because sometimes there was deaths attributed to SARS that weren't caused by SARS. Mm-hmm. But SARS was it was a it was a panic. The the illness there was the panic I felt. Um, so we've lived through that sort of stuff. So it's a little it hits a little closer to home now maybe. Mm-hmm. Um. The Ebola scare is top of mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, and and hysteria. We've had a lot the, of the, the, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the hysteria around no listeria, listeriosis. Oh, oh yeah. I thought you said it, the other like, food poisoning. Oh, uh, that yeah. I thought you were talking about like the hysteria of uh, the listeria hysteria. The hysteria of listeria, dude. That's fucking me up. <laughs> You're short circuiting. We need is a brain biopsy. It just you didn't you hadn't developed a palette for that sort of film. I hadn't, and and again, I so I'll talk basic plot of this film. So the host uh, is a South Korean monster movie. It was a massive success when it came out uh, in two thousand and three. The idea behind the film is that formaldehyde. That was two thousand six. 2006? What did I say? 2003. I don't know why I said that. Juwan is why I said that. Sorry. So it was a mass success. It was a mass success. <laughs> I feel like I'm giving someone the roadmap to like hypnotize me. Just like say <laughs> something earlier and then I'm like, I just completely changed the information in my head. Um, <laughs> um, it was a mass success, uh, massive success. And in 2006, the idea behind the movie is that they pour formaldehyde down into the Han River. And... Massive amounts. Massive amounts. Let's just remind everyone it is a, a mutagen. So it's not... At first I had thought, well, what would formaldehyde do? But yeah. it is a, a mutagen. Well, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a, a massive, massive amount. 
and then we're introduced to a family who runs a food shop basically just along the Han River and wasting no time within the first 10 minutes of the movie there's the monster in all its glory it attacks the shore the shoreline of the Han River where a bunch of people are sort of gathering uh, relaxing having a good old time and it's this giant mutated fish would you call it a fish frog tadpole bear i, I don't get the bear it's like man bear pig man bear pig it's like scuzzle butt i say bear and pig like i like one of the reasons i like the monster even from the very first when it's hanging almost like a cocoon and just kind of chilling under the bridge and then drops in the water all kind of like it's not even noticing it's being watched and then when it's on shore and charging after people all those and even when it's swimming all, all in all of its forms i can relate to it typically with other animals i've seen if you ever seen somebody catch a muskie that's taller than they are and they have to hold it through its eyeballs to get it into the boat and then on shore it's a horrible gory thing and they're huge and powerful and they can take you out just flopping in their death throes let alone if they decided that they wanted to take a bite out of you which they can they're very scary dangerous huge and terrible terrifying creatures and that's a fish that people catch um he, seeing a huge uh, brown bear that was bigger than my car or it was it might have been a black bear grizzly i have no idea it was huge it was massive run across the highway in front of my car and that's like watching a, a minivan covered in a shag rug <laughs> barreling at like probably 80 kilometers an hour because this thing was cooking yeah and the monster reminded me a lot of that or um, seeing moose. If you're driving along a country road and, and some moose yeah. get spooked by you and they run alongside you a little bit before they take off into the bush, that's scary because they could take you out. They're huge and massive. And just the way that this monster moves reminds me a lot of that. And then it reminds me a lot of little tiny things like tadpoles and frogs and that curious spot between a tadpole and a frog. I don't know what the name for that tadpole with legs creature is but reminded me a lot of that too so it was like all these little aspects within the creature in a lot of wildlife that i've seen all my life and have a lot of respect for and, and terrible fear of especially the big scary ones yeah um so i really enjoyed all every aspect of that monster yeah mm -hmm. yeah it was it was pretty cool looking the the uh the monster is cgi uh, for the time, it looks pretty good still. Um, mm -hmm. When I was watching it, I remarked a couple of times about how I was pretty impressed by the CG that it still kind of holds up. I mean, it uh, it doesn't look entirely synthetic. Uh, the creature looks pretty disgusting in a lot of scenes. It's, that mouth is fucking... Yeah, weird lamprey, multi-hinged mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the 30 Days of Night vampires that split down the middle jaw like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. That or a lamprey. I like a lamprey. Yeah. So this thing just comes out of the water after people were looking at it. And it starts attacking people. It starts eating people. Um, this uh, family at the shop owner, uh, Park family, I think their last name was, uh one of them has a daughter who's in school, 13-year-old daughter, 
And during the attack, she gets taken by the creature. It was interesting. I think, like, every other person kind of got swallowed by it. And she was the only one that got tentacled up in its tail. And then it just jumps back into the water after it's done. Yeah, for no reason. It just, it's, uh, her name, Han Sao, or however it would be pronounced. Yeah, I am um, not going to try to butcher that. Yeah, I think it's Han Sao. They say it a few different, with a few different dialects. In the yeah. Film, so it's hard to get nailed on the pronunciation for someone not used to it. Um, but yeah, no one else gets really captured. And the only other people... Uh, that would be captured alive or, or whatever. It's it's purely by accident. I think the monster definitely meant to have them dead. But she's not even carried around in its mouth at the beginning. Uh, it just grabs her with its weird tail appendage thing. Yeah. It's got like a, what's that, prehensile? Mm. What, what is like a, a tail that you can like manipulate? It's like a marsupilami? Yeah, but there's like a term for that type of tail that you could yeah, like. Yeah, I think wrap. it's prehensile tail. Prehensile, that's it. Um, um, one thing that I was thinking of in that initial attack, first of all, it's happening in broad daylight. There's no rain. I know a lot of times in movies they try to hide CGI with some rain, so kind of blend everything together so it doesn't pop so much. Um, even modern movies, they do that. They putting a lot of CGI in a scene, like make it rain. Then it, it blends things together with real and CGI. This was very bold. It's broad daylight. It's, you know, steady cam shots, like things are on sticks. Um, and you're just watching this monster sort of, no, you said truck around. (laughs) It does. It manipulates the scenery and the setting or, or whatever. Oh yeah, it does. Um, it has to yeah it has to interact with multiple people multiple different times and and react in different situations and it has to react to different terrain because it's in the water it's hanging and swinging and this yeah all within the first five minutes you meet the thing yeah and it's very big and powerful you know it's it's not it's not the the, uh, like a skyscraper you know it's 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 kind of like the size of like what do you say like an elephant or something like that is about that big. Yeah, it's not massive. It's not. But it's, it's big. big like for it's, sure. It's big for whatever the fuck it's, it's bigger um, than any animal that I've seen outside of a circus. Yeah, and but it's very powerful. Like, it's very strong. It's probably the size of an elephant, with a bit longer. Yeah, longer. Um, and then there's like that one, that one dude. Who like goes to fight it? That was, and I remember Captain America. Captain America. Yeah. I I, I remember when I first saw this movie, and and I saw like all these South Koreans running around, and then there's just this one white guy, yeah, <laughs> and and he's like, I gotta help, and and he goes to fight the creature with uh, the what ends up being the main character, but I was like, who's that guy? Like, why all of a sudden is this random dude who looks like he's on vacation? Is just gonna go and fight this creature. It's murked in the process. Like he just gets fucking. Yeah, he doesn't last very long fighting it. Well, and no, probably because he's fighting it is why he yeah. doesn't last very long. But he does kind of Captain America with that stone, right? This is almost he doesn't have a shield. <laughs> no, he's he, gonna. He he takes... He's an Olympic guy, obviously. He's there must be some sort of Olympic thing because there is the aunt is there doing her archery and he grabs that 
slate thing like a discus. Yeah, he throws it like a... He takes yeah. this big stone slate off out of the ground. He just, like, rips it out of the ground. And then he throws it like like a discus. And I, <laughs> it does nothing, by the way. No. It, it just bounces off the animal. Yeah. And it's all, it probably super thick skin, like... It seems super sturdy. It seemed like you would... Because that's not even the only thing they do. They grab, like, a, a street sign with a concrete ball yeah, at the end of it. Probably, like, a 200-pound block of concrete. Yeah, like, two guys hoist it up and try to smash it like it's a hammer. And it doesn't even... Like, it notices it, but it doesn't seem to really bother. Like, it's like that. it doesn't look like it's in any pain. Well, it's like... It is supposed to be some sort of mutated fish type creature. I, mean, I keep thinking frog type creature, but who knows? It could be three or four creatures taped together, sort of, with all this it formaldehyde. It's like a lot goop. of different things going on in it. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to cut through the skin of some larger fish is, is really tough. It is super tough. Um, and a lot of them have not exoskeletons, but they have a lot of like really hard, bony fixtures, especially around their head and stuff like that. And trying to cut through gills is horrible, and their fins are super, super tough, and you need a super, super, super sharp knife to get through some of them. And they're covered in thick slime, especially larger fish and bottom-dwelling fish. They're really, really slimy, so it makes doing anything to them... Like, I've seen people uh, bash a muskie over the head with a uh, paddle as hard as they can, you know, 12, 13 times, trying to just knock it out for a little bit. (laughs) It doesn't kill it, like... You could, but, I mean, it takes a lot. They're very, very tough creatures. So I can understand the toughness of this. This thing did look very slimy. It looked like if a smaller version of it would, like, be at the 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 river bottom, like, in the muck. You yeah, know like saying? a mud puppy or a ling. They're horrible, ugly garbage fish. Yeah, yeah, it definitely looks like something like that. Like a catfish, almost. Yeah. Ugly. It's pretty Slimy. ugly and pretty terrifying if something like that was coming after you with that horrible mouth. Like, I can't yeah. get over Especially it. Especially when it turns and looks at you and then opens its mouth and it lets you get a good look. That's one of my favorite things about this film is that you get lots of really good long shots of this creature just kind of standing there looking at you like derp. So after this little girl is captured by the creature and disappears back into the Han River, uh, the survivors, people who were attacked, involved in this, end up in, looks like a, a gymnasium that has been transformed into some kind of a crisis center. Yeah. Uh, in this, the same thing that you'd see in any sort of, if there was like an earthquake or a flood or something like that, just a place to put displaced people, um, then governments agents show up in hazmat suits and they start collecting anyone that came into contact with the creature and we also get our first glimpses of a little bit of what some people refer to as slapstick comedy and there are some comedic elements here and there in this but the guy in the suit that just falls (laughs) right over fall bam and and then no reason and, and then he stands up uh, like uh, with his hands on his hips like nope that didn't happen yeah. that did not happen yeah um there's a couple scenes like that but that's the first and it's in the most inappropriate spot too so yeah, yeah it's pretty inappropriate after we've just seen a family brought together bereft uh at the loss of uh this it's uh it's so it's the guy that the main guy his father and his two siblings like the, their last names were all a uh, park or Pac. Or Pac. Pac. It's spelled um, Park, but... It's spelled Park. Oh, okay. Park. 
My English tongue is just going to butcher this. That's okay. Um, Gangdu was the dad. Yeah. And he seems to have... Um, he seems to have some kind of uh, mental deficiencies. There's they they throw out some lines about him being malnourished and beaten a lot as a child, just by virtue of the fact that he was on his own a lot. Yeah, and, and Grandpa to, admitted to going out and drinking and leaving him at home. And 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 him having to go out and steal uh, food, mm-hmm. and and so as he developed, he might be a little slow. Or it, like does he's just not very bright, um, is really what it kind of amounts to. He's a bit of a bumbler. Yeah, I kept calling him like a bumblebutt or a herp a derp. Yeah, he does kind of. He's he's a bit of a derp. Yeah, he he yeah. definitely makes some mistakes, but um, and, and you have uh, his sister and brother who also show up. His sister is a a, a competing archer, mm-hmm. so like in a competition and her his brother seems to be some kind of like a graduate but a washout like he's unemployed and drinking a lot and drinking a lot yeah even to the fact that the the young girl um han xiao she notices that her uncle was drunk while he went to pick her up from school for the sake of clarity we could call them the daughter the dad uncle and aunt and grandpa sure that's easy that's true um so the, uh, the the plot basically comes to comes to a head as we learn that the monster does exist, but the government is saying that it's infectious and is now spreading a disease. There's a disease, the virus, that is coming out of the Han River and anyone that came into contact with it. And that seems to be all the news broadcasts and even the the medical team surrounding the victims are mostly concerned with. No one's really talking about the monster. No, even from the first news broadcast, I don't even remember them mentioning the monster, but it would have went something like, oh yeah, there was a monster that terrorized people outside the Han River today, and it had a virus. Now, about the virus, and that was all the news from and there. The, the, yeah, it, it was very... It, and it was really every time they were talking about the virus, and so this family gets captured... And they're essentially told that they're not going to be let out. and Yeah, they're quarantined they're quite quarant- quickly. They're quarantined, and so they have to sit tight and wait to see what happens. But then they get a phone call from the daughter in the middle of the night with her cell phone. The battery is just about to die. She's alive. She's in the sewer. That rallies the family together. To go and rescue them or her, and so now the story is a family going out to hunt this monster. Basically, and it's interesting that I've always said about the father being a little bit of a bumbler and not too bright, and maybe being a little lazy, and he's even blamed for her initial capture yeah. by his brother, the uncle. For uh, him not holding her hand because he thought he had her hand in the crowd and it, it turned was, out it was another girl. It was another little girl. Mixed up in the press of people trying yeah. to run away. But uh, from the when he gets that phone call, and it is a really touching scene actually, um, he's not a deadbeat dad. And you see that and you know that he cares about his daughter very much. And that's set up from the beginning. Yeah. 
But he really shines pretty much immediately from... So what if he's going to continue being a bumbler? He's going to continue having constant derp face. But yeah. he does... He, he is going to pull out all the stops to rescue his daughter. And it's great because you have... A, you're setting up a character that has a mission and follows through with it with a complete action. Mm -hmm. And so it's very strong storytelling in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, what I did dig about it was the fact that this family was not... They did not get along. You could tell that they didn't get along. Well, like you said, you summed it up basically as uh, they don't love each other. Yeah. <laughs> but they will fight to stay together. Yeah, they are a family unit and they're brought together by this tragedy. Now they're brought together at the hope of rescuing this, uh, like the, the youngest member of their family. Mm -hmm. And and who's who's, you know, a bright, pretty... Has a, like worlds of potential, maybe more potential than any of them have. And the only one that really does get along with all of them and see eye to eye with all of them. Yeah, and you could really tell that she really could have been like the emotional center of that family now mm -hmm. taken away because mm -hmm. they're just devastated by the idea that she was dead and now they're energized at the idea that she's alive. And so you see instantaneously. Um, through various shady means, they get out of their quarantine uh, through some contacts that Grandpa has. Uh, he empties out his savings, like every scrap of money that he has. The shady characters, gangsters, and what have you. Yeah, that that basically are extorting them, and that, I thought that was really interesting because you had you you had the the idea of the government who is responsible for this tragedy and is now focusing on a virus mm -hmm. and and that's what everyone cares about and now treating these people who have literally done nothing as criminals because they they escaped and and then you have the lower classes still fucking with each other like they're still dealing with criminals who are manipulating each other and so and, and screwing them over this should be kind of like like we should all be in this together because this is like this huge government problem that they brought down on us but we're all just like no 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 I want my money and and that's all I care about it was an interesting it's an interesting take and I think that it comes together really well to get that information and also moves the story along but, but like I was sort of hung up on ideas about where do these gangsters come from how did he contact them how do they know I just assume like I said I, I assume that he has a lot of different ties because of the confectionery, owning the food store. He'd come in contact with all kinds of people, especially if he's selling beer. So he's going to have met lots of people. He's probably had this business for a very long time. It's probably been handed down to him. I don't remember if they set that up in the film, but mm -hmm. let's assume. Um, he's just met a lot of people in the nature of his business. And he's certainly had to deal with some sort of criminal element probably to stay in business mm -hmm. so or to make business easier on him anyway or less expensive so he's probably known these people for quite some time and who knows if they owe him a favor or if he just knew the right people to call i don't think it's otherworldly at all yeah i'm it's not like completely unbelievable and it didn't mm -hmm. jump for me but it did sort of it yeah, also I, set up a little bit more of a comedic element because the gangster scene is a little bit comedic. It is and ridiculous. They're their in... getaway is a oh, little slapstick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There is definitely scenes that they try to relieve tension yeah. with a little bit of physical comedy or, 
just sort of interacting with characters that are over the top, larger than life. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the interesting thing that I... It's set up uh, very early that he very much is the patriarch of this family and very much now going to keep them together. They know that they want to rescue the this little girl. They don't have any fucking idea how to do that. The siblings don't. Like the aunt, uncle... Mm-hmm. And the father, they don't know how to do that. He definitely is, okay, here's our map. Here's our guns. Yeah, Grandpa rocks. Grandpa is like, he's like, this is how you do it. This is how we deal with people. This is how we talk to people. Through bribes. Through, you know, like, I just feel like he really knows. He knows how the system works around here. And he knows how to bypass a lot of it. And once that character is gone, the this siblings instantly fragment. Like, yeah. like, like he literally was the person keeping them together. I mean, yes, when the little girl is lost, that they all want to do that. But you also are dealing with three people who have extremely different personalities and have different ways of wanting to do things. And and he and and Grandpa was really the one that was like, okay, I understand you all have different ways that we want to do this, but we have to. Here's our common goal: we got to keep us together. And the second he's gone. Like, instantly, all these characters are, like, no longer... They don't interact with each other until the end of the movie. Yeah, they can hardly function. They get scattered, and when they get hurt or disappeared, they don't go looking for one another. No, not at all. They're still individually focused on getting the little girl. And they're all somewhat linked via technology. Cell phones seem to be yeah, the yeah. way that they communicate most often. So yeah, most but you're definitely getting a sense that, like, situation. hey, I, I can... I'm going to get results. I can do this on my own. I know where you are. Yeah. If I need you, I'll get into contact with you. That's yeah. kind of... And I'll keep you in the loop. Yeah, keep yeah. you in the loop. But uh, that definitely... They is... do fragment, though. Yeah, instantly. Yeah. Like, like that that yeah. event is what fragments them. And yeah. then, and then uh, that's pretty much it. There was, like... Again, going back to, to this, this viral, like, there were so many weird scenes where these just doctors and security people... And all of that are just acting so strangely. And it was frustrating. I remember originally watching this and then watching it again today. I was frustrated at a lot of these medical characters. Well, I guess you're supposed to be frustrated at them because they're not listening. Yeah, they're being more bureaucratic than helpful. So bureaucratic and so unhelpful. It's fucking ridiculous. And, And so... A lot of times when I'm complaining about narratives in films, one of the things that I complain about is, you know, a lot of this could be solved if people just communicated with each other in any way. This movie, you have characters telling the authorities exactly what's going on. And it's not even like in that sort of camp slash away, like where the old cop just, ah, listen, we got a real quiet town around here. We don't want any trouble. You know, it's not that. It's literally like they're listening calmly and they're like, yep, he's crazy. (laughs) And And even later on, they're like, well, why didn't you tell any of the authorities? And he has a little bit of a freak out and they're like, he's crazy. He's crazy. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's aggravating. I think it's also another symptom of their complacency with being in a, a virus and a mass panic hysteria due to health and welfare kind of thing because of their population density they've dealt with a lot more um illnesses and 
not wanting to get viruses or, or even colds or illnesses that are going around like SARS. I'll just, it'll, it's always going to boil down to SARS. So even the healthcare professionals have become complacent as well. So maybe that has something to do with it. Because I like notice when they're first in quarantine, I'm like, it's so quiet. No one's freaking out. If this was a North American quarantine due to a, a mass virus that's unknown caused by a monster, I can't forget, even though the, the people in the film seem to forget that there's a monster causing this, I, I won't forget that there's a but monster it seems very conscious. Of, it seems very consciously trying to make the population care more about the fact... They focus that, on the virus. ...that you could get sick. And they have those scenes where everyone's just heads down, quiet, with masks on. Yeah. Even out in the public, people are... Everyone's just wearing masks because they're afraid to get sick. Mm-hmm. And, and then when those people escape the quarantine... The, like when the family escapes to quarantine, that becomes the news. Like these infected people have escaped and now they're public enemy number one. Because it's something they know how to deal with. They don't know how to deal with the monster. They don't even know what to name the monster. I don't think they name the monster at all. They don't. The whole yeah. thing. So it's referred to as just the monster. Yeah. So they know how to deal with a virus. So they're going to act the way that they know. It's a yeah. lot easier to deal with something that you understand. It really paints uh, the American military in a really bad light, which is probably deliberate. There's no way that... Well, it wasn't subtle. It was not... Well, in a way, it's even it's even the fault of an American or, or whatever nationality the doctor is. Well, yeah, that, not well, Asian. Again, that scene where they have the, the American doctor ordering this Korean doctor to pour all that stuff down into the... Into the to the river and the Koreans is like well I well, we can't do this this is toxic it's it's chemicals and it's gonna go straight in the Han River yeah and 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 then the the guys the doctor's line I couldn't get over he was just like the Han River is very broad so just broaden your mind about pouring illegal chemicals into the river. I loved everything about that scene from the beginning to the end of it and the sheer amount of bottles. I really, really liked everything about that scene. It was a good scene and it really it really had an interesting dynamic about what do you do when someone who has authority over you who cares nothing about the population that he's in because he's not from there. He doesn't care. Like and, and Oh, and even the, if he is, I mean Yeah, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care about polluting the environment. He doesn't care what it could do to the people who use the Han River. He doesn't care about what it care he doesn't care about anything. He just wants it gone. And I was like, is that for ease? Like why are they Oh like, completely because there are um safe disposal practices in place for mortuaries, especially in an established city center. Yeah. He has ways to to dispose of all these chemicals. I think it was just laziness and he was like, "Oh, I don't have to explain 15 years of formaldehyde. So we'll just pour it down the river." Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, and and so that really becomes the the big focus and especially, you know, since we've had like the Ebola uh scare recently where everyone was so fixated on and again, I was uh, what I was saying when when we were Watching it, I, I said, they are, everyone in this town is so afraid of this virus about getting sick. Mm-hmm. But the but there's an actual monster that is coming out of the Han River and eating people. <laughs> and, and, and it's not even on the news anymore. Yeah. It's not even on the news. Everyone's afraid of this virus that, spoilers, 
doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. It's it all do- fabricated. It do- it doesn't exist, and 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 you know, I love that scene. By the way, when when the the doctor. <laughs> thinks he's alone with the other doctor. Thinks he's alone. Well, I, I think it's more he just doesn't think that the, that uh, the, that guy speaks English. Yeah, he doesn't think he can understand him, and he think he, he also thinks he's out of it because they've just torqued him with so yeah. much tranquilizer. And, and I love that he he explains that there's no virus and it's all just a bullshit smokescreen, and then the guy just is like, "No virus." I think it's his only English line in the entire movie yeah, but it's it great i was like oh that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah it was a good scene um yeah and and you know it, it, it the, some of the lines that that guy had were pretty great you know about the fact that like you know he he realizes that he's not an intelligent man he realizes that there's something wrong in his head mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that what he's saying is wrong or irrelevant. And that no one should ignore him. That people... It's valid. His words are, are just as valid as yeah, anyone else. Yeah, he's else's. trying to tell people, my daughter's alive, no one believes me, no one's helping me, and you're not listening because you think I'm a moron. In almost those exact words. Yeah. Which are pretty understandable. Pretty understandable. I was like, that's a great scene. I like that yeah. a lot. Um... And, in, in, uh... Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of... There's a lot... There's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah, there really is. Uh, and, and I think that's probably why when I went down putting my cash in for... I was like, I want a monster movie. And I got something a little bit more... You got so- all this shit? And you're like, I don't something, want all this shit. Some, something a little bit more sophisticated. Not saying... I'm, and again, I'm not elevating something and shitting on something else. I'm not saying that this is a sophisticated monster movie. Therefore, other monster movies aren't sophisticated. And shame on you for liking them. What I'm saying, because that's what Lydia would say. What I'm saying is, if you go into the host expecting monsters knocking over building and people running away screaming, you're going to get a little, well, not the buildings falling over, but you're going to get a little of that, but you're mostly going to get a quieter story that has a lot of layers to it. Yeah, it's like taking a sip of what you think is orange drink and it being carbonated orange crush and it tastes like battery acid even though you know orange crush is actually kind of yummy yeah everyone who likes orange crush is gonna give us hate mail now oh that's all right (laughs) um i got a song for them oh my god don't sing it (laughs) well absolutely not at the moment um yeah because it's just getting a mouthful of something you didn't expect if you'd have been warned that, you know, it's a really multi-layered film that's going to make you think really hard about our bu- bureaucratic tendencies, especially here in North America, was Fear-mongering. Yeah, you're going to start thinking about power distances and complacent populace. You're going to start thinking about population density and illness yeah. and how different cultures react to that sort of thing. You're going to start thinking about um, the environment and in that worst-case scenario monster movie sort of way. It's not just a monster that came on the back of a comet. It's not just a giant gorilla that happened to grow naturally wherever King Kong came from. Yeah, and, Monster Island. Oh, Monster Island? Yeah. Yeah, okay. See, I'm not a monster a movie monster fan. <laughs> so I don't know where this Monster Island is. It's the same place the Calgary Flames come from. <laughs> where I do not want to go. Yeah, enjoy your stay. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's a man-made monster entirely, and not by by uh, radiation either. Yeah, not by radiation. Um, 
Oh, wait. Monster Island was where Godzilla and friends were from. Ha, 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 There was... Anyway. I think he was just, like, from, like, the wilds of Borneo. I don't know. It was, it, was, it was an island. It was... You know what? I'm not talking about... Skull that. Island! Skull Island! Thank you. I don't know. I made that up. Is it? I don't know. I'm gonna look. Um, a little background and why I'm gonna look this up, because I don't give a fucking rat's ass. It's not even a giant monster mecha rat's ass about monster films. But the first... One of the first... Um, Monster films I ever did watch was with my dad's mom, who I never watched movies with. She lived far away, so we didn't see her a lot. And when we spent time with her, it was like family dinners and outings and picnics and stuff and camping and stuff, not sitting down and watching films. But I was super young. I don't remember how old, but I was super, super young. And she was babysitting me. And it wasn't even like maybe half hour after my parents had left. She's like, well, I'm bored. <laughs> so what do you want to do? You know, I can do all the macaroni crafts that I want, but she's going to be bored. And she's like, oh, the 3D King Kong is on TV. And we had to drive to the nearest store. It's sort of like watching TV bingo where you have to go to the store to get the bingo cards to play the TV bingo. Well, they had this, like, 3D presentation of King Kong, and you had to go to the store to get 3D glasses. So we drove into town and got 3D glasses. I don't even remember if they even worked it was like, You TV. sound like you're a thousand years old <laughs> no, right really. now. What are you <laughs> talking adorable. about? It was adorable. Um and I hardly remember the film, but I remember I had the best time, right? Because I mm. never watched films with this grandma. Uh, it was super, super, super fun. And I watched King Kong years later, and I was like, yeah, that's not for me. I don't enjoy it at all. It must have been just that it was a whole experience of having to go to the store and get our supplies and come back and watch King Kong. I um, love King Kong. It's a great movie. I think that do you do you think that your problem with monster films is that it's not an intelligent evil? Do you feel do, you, do is it because it is essentially a man versus nature story? Yeah, and it's also just a bunch of army guys and a bunch of thugs slinging rocks at some poor defenseless creature. Usually, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a chance for them to flex their military muscle, and that the monster usually is a stand-in for some sort of minority that somebody's trying to bomb. It's not my favorite sort of deference, displacement of hatred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be part of why I don't like monster films. Yeah. It's usually crappy CG all of our lives until recently. The best monster movie I ever watched, was is it called Teenagers from Mars? The one where the monster is just the basic shadow of a lobster? Yeah. Teenagers from Outer Space? It's, no, it's... Is it... Something teenagers from outer space? Mm. Yeah, he did come from Skull Island. Skull Island, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I wasn't lying. Okay, wait. I gotta find teenagers from outer space. It had two titles, that film. Originally titled The Ray Gun Terror, which is hilarious. Oh, I want the Ray Gun from Teenagers from Outer Space. It did have another title that wasn't that. The Gargan Terror. You ever seen that film? Yeah. Okay. That was one of the few older, like, old guard. Yeah. Monster films that I did like mm -hmm. because it was so outlandish. Yeah. And the fact that I could make it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would have been 50s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the era to do that type of thing. That's where you had, you know, you, you get giant insects or you get some, like, any sort of shit. Have a or crawl. rabbits. Yeah. Or, Maybe the lepus. Yeah, and crawl over a, a little city and film some reaction shots and it's ready for the drive-in in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for me, yeah, I've always liked monster films. A lot. I like it when monsters fight other monsters. Uh, and I like it when it's super ridiculous. I like when they're doing like wrestling moves and shit. So they can't see the face I'm making. No, yeah. Oh, is that Lydia? Judgmental Lydia. No, this is my focused interest like a laser beam and everything outside that's light is fucking dog shit. Well, let me tell you something. Fucking broaden those horizons. No. Everyone. Nope. 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 You're too old and set in your ways. Yep. <laughs> I'm fine with that. You can sit in this dark room and watch fucking teenagers from outer space on a nonstop reel or all the hillbilly horror you want. All hillbilly horror all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The only monsters I want are like the hills have eyes kind of monsters. I'm fine with that. Monsters that are... Like just deformed people? <laughs> yeah. That's way more terrifying than, like, King Kong. Or Q, the winged serpent. The giant claw? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See, I'd much rather a lobster shadow over that. (laughs) It's something that I can, you know, believe. The giant claw was a bird, actually. Oh, really? Yep. As big as a battleship it was. (laughs) God. Yeah, it's just, it's just not for me, typically. The host, I really, really enjoyed everything about it. But again, because you you responded to well, the monster, you know, you had no objections to the monster and you liked it. Yeah, you, you like, wanted a, um, a bologna sandwich and I wanted a Dagwood and I got a Dagwood. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Kids... Back in the day, every Sunday, <laughs> something would come to people's houses in the terms of uh, stripped comics. And I don't mean that they got naked for you. I mean, there was usually three to five panels and they would feature characters. And these characters would uh, have various witticisms. Uh, so if you're wondering what the fuck Dagwood is... <laughs> 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 Fine, make me choke on my beer. Fine. You know what? You know what a Dagwood is. I do, yeah. You probably know what a Marmaduke is. Not even from the film. No, I know what Marmaduke is. Yeah, look, yeah. look, we have episodes where I was talking about Fibber McGee, which is a fucking radio show from the 50s. Oh, yes. Good. Here here we are. Here we are uh, on Dead Air with a Q&A with Wes, 800-year-old Nipe. Was the shadow a good guy or a bad guy? The shadow was, um... This is a question coming from someone around my age who's recently rediscovering a lot of these old radio plays, and he's listened to a lot of The Shadow, and he listened to The Shadow as a kid, I'm sure. Um, And he just recently had this, like, whoa, is The Shadow a good guy or a bad guy? Well, uh... For those of you who don't know, The Shadow is a character that 
had his origins as a host to an old radio show. Then he got his own radio show and he was his own character. It was also a comic book. Uh, when Bill Finger was writing Batman, he based it a lot off of The Shadow. So if you guys like Batman, you might like The Shadow. Um, the Shadow is a character that has some was essentially a supernatural detective in a way. Mm -hmm. um, he solved crimes by killing people, basically. He was a vigilante in the strictest sense. He didn't believe in the death penalty. He was the death penalty. Um, so I think that as a vigilante, killing bad people, he was a good guy, but he was very much operating outside of the law and murdering people. Like the crow. Like or the, like Spawn. Like the crow or like Spawn. Um, people might remember that The Shadow got himself a movie in the 90s with Alec Baldwin, um, which didn't do too well. But uh, And they recently tried to bring him back, I think, in the comics. But I would say that The Shadow is a gray area character that ultimately is doing good but breaking a lot of laws by doing it. I don't think that there's a stock because it depends. Are you a law abiding person who believes in justice and the legal system? He's a bad guy. Are you someone who believes in might versus uh, might is right. And like eye for an eye, bloody vengeful justice. Then he's a good guy. That's the answer. That's the only answer I could possibly give. Okay. That's a good. One. And I had a lot of information on the shadow. Yeah, no, I, I I didn't even know that you did, but I thought you might have an opinion on the shadow. Because if anyone would know, Wes knows. <laughs> oh my God, why do I sound so old? <laughs> well, that's what you get. That's what you get for making fun of me. And my Dagwood reference. <laughs> you just pulled some 1940s radio play shit right out your ass. <laughs> but that raises a question: Are the government in the host the good guys or the bad guys? That does raise the question, is, are they the good guys and the bad guys? On the one hand, they started the problem. Well, okay, let's let's be Some fair. one guy. Some one guy yeah. who happened to work for the government. And he was working outside of his directive. Yeah, he was not following protocol. Yeah. He caused this accident. And the and and the eventual creation of this monster. Then the government tries to deal with it the only way they know how, by covering it up and blowing smoke, um, trying to get people's focus on a virus. And then, you know, hopefully, I guess best case scenario, they would talk about a virus. This is a virus. Everyone care about the virus. They deal with the creature in their own way. And then a couple weeks later, oh, well, the virus is gone. And everyone kind of goes on with their lives. Mm -hmm. And this break in protocol just kind of goes away. That's probably their best case scenario. I think that when you're dealing with running experiments on people that you know don't need experiments by... By hiding the fact that there's this creature, they endangered more lives. More people died than were necessary. 
um, their eventual solution to this creature didn't even work. No. So I created a ground zero where nothing will grow for a hundred years. Perhaps, perhaps I don't entirely blame the governing body for what happened, but I definitely think that how they handled it was incorrect. Now that's hindsight. You watch the film and you see how the narrative played out and you're like, wow, what they should have done. But, um, but I guess, like you said, they don't know how to, how, like, what are the protocols for giant monster? Like, like what, like, how would you handle that? Yeah, because Godzilla didn't actually happen. So no. they don't have a response team, they can't, a Godzilla crew. There's like, where's that oxygen destroyer that was in that movie? Yeah. We need the oxygen destroyer. Yeah, they, 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 they don't have protocol in place for this. They do know how to deal with viruses. They do know how to deal with mass panic. Although absolutely nobody has any respect for authority. The first authority figure, he stood up to by the uncle. Later on, the doctors are talked down to, and they're even told, I think by the grandpa... Um, public servants shouldn't talk to us like this uh, and public service should listen to us and mm-hmm. there's no real respect for the military at all whenever the military come in they're like come on run and they run real slow and they're like bumbling around like yeah. big fat New York cops kind of attitude from <laughs> a lot of them and everyone just runs away or doesn't listen to the cops um, there seem to be a lot of people in the area and there's protests going on so there's a lot of people that are actively not paying attention to what the police and the authorities There's a lot of unrest say. and radicals around. Yeah, and uh, the only time that there's any sort of respect from the main characters paid to anyone of any authority is when they're paying them off to get into the exclusion zone. And the guy's on the take anyway, so he doesn't really count. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, like, it's weird. I, I, I suppose when you're looking at it, you will sort of, well, typical, typical of of authority because that's where we are right now mentally people people now looking at the especially in the last 15 years which this movie is within that time frame you know you're dealing with like people who are generally very suspicious of their governments very suspicious of everything and 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 not for no reason but I think, like, I, here, here, I guess, like, in the same way as is the shadow a good guy or a bad guy, I guess if you believe in government full transparency, uh, then, yeah, the government is the bad guys in this. But if you believe that it was it was one bad decision that someone who was not following protocol did that created this problem, and then they were trying to save face... And they were trying to come up with a solution, and they eventually did kind of come up with a solution, even though, like, well, I guess who's to say if it would have worked or not? The creature did seem pretty sick from that smoke. But yeah, probably anything would, though. I mean, it's well, I'm, definitely. just from its name, Agent Yellow, it's got to be some sort of play on Agent Orange. Oh yeah, that's not even a, that's not even a subtle everything. that's not yeah. even a subtle thing. So it, it's gonna have the same sort of effect, which is devastating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hard to say. I think I think the way that the movie is set up, it's you're to believe that the government is ineffectual and corrupt and out for themselves and don't really give a fuck about the people. Because honestly, it's through radicalization and through this family taking matters into their own hands that anything gets, gets accomplished. Anything gets accomplished. They yeah. like the creature gets taken care of. The daughter is found. Located. Located. Like yeah. Located. You know, and we haven't, uh, 
We haven't talked a lot about um, her. We haven't talked a lot about her. Um, the performance that she gives is really great. I don't know. I like her character a lot. Mm -hmm. um, she is a, a, a gutsy, intelligent uh, young girl. I mean, like, typically when you think about, like, oh, geez, like a 13-year-old girl gets captured by a monster and is thrown in this sewer with just filth and bodies and all this yuck around her. Um you know, like the natural reaction would be like, oh, well, she's going to cower and scream and cry. and But, you know, she's using her cell phone. That dies. She's checking bodies for other cell phones. She's trying to build a rope out of clothing. Uh, a, a little boy comes into her care and she's like she she's intelligently playing dead. She's showing him how to hide. She's like, so I, I was just like, this is like and, and they set her up as a, as a smart yeah, she's young. super tough and super smart. And she starts that immediately. Her yeah. survival instinct kicks in the minute that she realizes she can, like, at least hide from the monster in that area. And, and you get a sense that, like, the whole family is like, like, let me tell you, like, this whole family is, like, busting out some fucking MacGyver shit, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. throughout the movie. And and I remember that jump for me the first time I watched this movie. I was like, why does, like, why is the uncle, like... Like putting a paper clip into a plug and short circuiting everything and getting away from a group of like fifteen guys. What is this? He's got Molotov cocktails. She's got the bow and arrow. They've got like like m secret maps and secret meetings and I was like, what is all of this stuff? Um, the random homeless guy like pouring the <laughs> like the random homeless guy because he seriously is just bored. He's just like, oh, you want to know where this bridge is? I'll go with you. I'll sure. go with you after, like, I, I, after I smash a bottle on your head. Yeah, <laughs> like what is those are the, the, the that scene where the uncle sort of hooks up with that guy and then they go and attack the creature. I was like, mm -hmm. what is this all about? The the ants with her archery, you know, the inability to let go, like taking too much time to get her shot, it haunts her throughout the movie, mm -hmm. causes her to lose a competition, almost costs her her life at one point. And then uh, she really has, and I, I noticed it this time, and I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, but she really has like a cool guys don't look at explosions moment where she literally, like she shoots the flaming arrow, it hits its target, it ignites, and she's just like drops the mic, turns on her heel, and just walks away from it in slow motion. Oh my god, they did a cool guys don't look at explosions moment with her. Yeah. Where, where it was just like, I didn't notice this the first time. Crazy. Yeah, it was definitely her gold medal, and that's exactly how she would have acted on the podium if she wouldn't have froze. Yeah, and it was crazy shot. because, like, you know, she froze at the start of the narrative. Midway through the movie, she froze again, and it basically, it almost cost her her life. And then in the sense where you're going for broke where you're dealing with life and death situations this is not a fucking competition and you just have to take the shot and she takes the shot and it's really cool yeah it's that third time's a charm yeah kind of thing yeah i really dig that there there are some some really honestly like there are some moments that i know that were like a little like maybe a little over the top but i was like you know what this is a pass i believe this family is really upset but for, for like all in all the performances that are given in the movie are really great um, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and as we're talking about it, I'm kind of liking this movie fucking more and more. Aha, I win. You do win. And I mean, look, I didn't say I was good. Look, I thought that when I saw this request on Twitter, I was like, ugh, Lydia's not going to like this. Yeah, I can totally understand that, too. Um, and, uh, and then, and then even I was kind of like, eh. 
And that's kind of funny. Um, I remember uh, thinking when we got this request, um, when I was in radio and uh, going through the co- going through college, going for broadcasting, um, one of the professors, he told us, he said, think about your favorite kind of music. Think about the radio station you would love to work at. Think about the kind of radio station you'd love to work about work at. You got it? Great. Now think about the type of music that you hate the absolute most. What kind of music can you not stomach? Now think of the worst radio station that would play to that audience and demographic that you would fit in the least at, that you will have to put on a performance and be the most phony at. Uh, okay, that's you're going to be your first radio assignment. You're not going to... He's like... And then he told us a story about how his first radio assignment was like one that he didn't really, he, he hated. Cut to my first radio gig was at a Christian rock station. Nice. Good job. And, and do I have something particularly against Christian rock? No. But it's not your favorite. It's not my favorite and it's not my scene. I'm not a Christian man. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Marmaduke. That was Scooby-Doo. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so in that sense, I thought it was funny that the first request we got was something where I was like, eh, I'm not really necessarily interested in listening or watching this movie. <laughs> But that's fine. And I don't want anyone to think that you... Look, if you guys request it, we'll get to it. Because that's what you want us to talk about. And uh, we appreciate that you're listening. And we appreciate you taking time to ask us to do these things and answer these questions. So, And and you want to know something? You made me like a movie that I thought I didn't like. And you showed Lydia a monster movie that she could say, You know what? I don't like monster movies. Except the host. Yeah, it's true. It's true, and I was, I didn't, I didn't balk really too badly at the fact that it was a monster movie because it was a Korean film. Uh, mm-hmm. If it would have been, you know, if you would have, if I had never seen Cloverfield and you would have suggested Cloverfield, I might have been like, oh god, <laughs> shaky cam monster film. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed. You know, the next one is like Cloverfield. <laughs> no, let's not, please. <laughs> if we do Cloverfield. We have to do Soul Tangler. You've mentioned Soul Tangler once before. We'll get to it, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Do you have Soul Tangler? I have it on VHS somewhere, but it, it's Kids, on Kids, VHS, uh, back in the day, uh, movies were transferred to good old durable analog. And <laughs> they were large... Uh, you could imagine like a big black plastic book. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of like that. <laughs> kind of like that. Uh... <laughs> Say thank you because we haven't thrown a thank you out to Patron Santa Plagues for our groovy intro music. Yeah, we would like to take this opportunity to thank Patron Santa Plagues for the intro. Um, Ghost Train. Ghost Train. Yeah, off of Scary Tales too. Ghost Train Off is Scary Tales 2. Or is it Scary Tales 1? It's on Scary Tales 1. Is it Scary Tales 1? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I know. And every time that I, I tune in to a lot of podcasts, 
um, I, I judge people on their intro music, right? Uh, a lot of times. And a lot of the podcasts I listen to have really, really, really great music. Yeah. And I think we're one of them. Oh, yeah, that is really great. Mm-hmm. I am pretty, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty stoked. I was thinking, I've, I've been, I've been uh, flirting with the idea of an outro. Mm. Um, but I'm not entirely sure if I, if I would just repeat the, um, repeat the end of the intro that sort of like peters out, out or, yeah. or if I wanted something else, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I liked, uh, when we did the maniac episode, when you went out with a clip and I've been, tr- look, I've been trying the, uh, I was trying to get clips that I could do that with, but it, it, for the loved ones, the audio that I could get, my my Netflix was not working, mm-hmm. and any audio on UTIP, uh, UTIP, the fuck? Did you put it in your ear? UTIP, yeah. <laughs> UTIP, yeah. or it's just like you basically just go to a website and give them money, it's like, thanks for the tip. Um, <laughs> no, I went to YouTube, um, and I couldn't get any audio that was worth beans, and then... What was, and, 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 and today or on uh, an episode 13, there was just nothing that like, nothing was as good as Frank's rant in, in Maniac. So like I'm, and, and on this film, it's not even in English. So like, what would I clip? The voice actor for the monster, because apparently there was one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I agree that I would like to end it with like a, a really haunting clip of the movie. And maybe if a movie does have a clip like that, that I really like the, cause like the, the Frank's rant had like, it had, it was cool dialogue. It was just him. It was creepy music. It was really good. Um, but like, I was like, we haven't encountered another film that really had that, that really popped for me. No, no. And like, there's a few of classic slashers that I can, we all recite lines from them. Yeah. And if we're going to cover like this handful of little tiny movies like that, um, there would be lots to choose from in those. But I, I totally know what you mean. And I, I find a lot of uh, radio programs or podcasts suffer from like these long, long clips because what they're looking for is like they're mining for, for gold in a way for something like Frank's Rand, but it's just not there. So they have to play like a 10 minute clip for you to get all those little bits that you remember or that were cool. And half the time you're just replaying or it's not having any dialogue and it's just background music or something. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. I was thinking, I was like, maybe some of the trailers, but like, I was like, I don't like, no, that's no. weird. Yeah. And I was like, I wanted something directly from the movie to show, like, especially if we really liked it to show how cool something could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just not happening. So maybe music, maybe if there, it seems appropriate, I'll do a clip. I don't know. Like, it's my fucking show and I'll do whatever I want to it. But like, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, well, it's our show. Mm, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of here. <laughs> With the microphone I own. With the microphone <laughs> I own. I can bring mine. Yeah, no, um, no. Um, no, it's up to you. I don't, you know. I, I, I liked the clip when it happened. Yeah, you know what? And I've heard... Outro music would... I love music, so that would be awesome. Yeah, so maybe maybe we'll start slapping some outro music on it. Uh, I got a lot of compliments from the clip. The people, people were digging the clip. They're like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. that was that was creepy." That was creepy. Like, like I wasn't because they weren't expecting it. They're like, "None of your other episodes did that." And then this this clip started playing, and I was like, 
It's like it gave me, it was creepy. It gave me chills. And I'm like, it should give you chills. I was fucked up. That's what you were saying. So like. Also, uh, usually by the end of like a half hour to hour long podcast, you're kind of internalizing. Anyway, it's probably about time to start the show. (laughs) Hi, I'm Wes Knight. And (laughs) with me today is. Wait. Typical idiot. (laughs) Oh, the look on your face was awesome. Oh my God. I think you grew fucking pigtails. (laughs) Hi, everybody. I'm Wes Knight. And with me, as always, is. I can't even do it. That's awesome. I don't have the bass. I'm not speaking for my diaphragm. I'm telling you, all those radio courses did me well. I'm doing a radio show that I do not get paid for. Thanks, college. (laughs) 